Hello and welcome to Small Biz Pod on Tuesday, the 3rd of May. My name is Alex Bellinger. Um, sadly, I've been off ill with the flu for a few days, so Small Biz Pod, which usually comes out on a Thursday, uh, has been pushed back to uh, today. But we've got a great uh, election special coming up for you with interviews with all three of the major uh, political parties on the subject of small business and enterprise. So if you're not clear on which political parties are offering what to the small business community, now's your chance to find out. Now I've tried to keep each interview approximately the same in terms of the, the style of questions asked. Focusing in on some of the more problematic issues for for each of the parties, but also giving them a chance to uh, outline the, the the positives that, that they'll bring should they get elected after the fifth of May, which is when uh, the election in the UK is being held. That's this Thursday. Even if you get to this show after the election, I still think it's worth a listen, uh, simply because you get a, a variety of uh, political views on how to solve and address some of the issues facing small business and enterprise in the UK over the coming months and years. So quite a lot of insight uh, amongst the politics too. Now just before we get into interviews, just a reminder that you can contact Small Biz Pod at www.smallbizpod.co.uk where you can comment on the, the comments section or drop us an email at info at smallbizpod.co.uk. Uh, always appreciate your uh, feedback and your comments. And as ever, if you've got any suggestions for people you'd like to see interviewed on the show or, or if indeed if you would like to appear on the show yourself, do, do drop us a line. Uh, your feedback's really very much appreciated. In the first of a series of interviews with the main political parties ahead of the UK election on 5th of May, uh, I'd like to welcome Brian Cotter, a Liberal Democrat small business spokesperson, to a Small Biz Pod today. Brian, welcome. Hello. Um, the, the Federation of Small Businesses estimate that there are around 5,000 small business owners in each contested seat around the UK. Yes, yes. And um, these business owners, certainly I guess in marginal seats, could could hold uh, some important votes for, for yes, all indeed. political parties. And, um, yes, indeed. Uh, I know that, that, that one of your MPs has perhaps the slimmest majority in the country of just, just 33. Mm. Um, put succinctly, why should those small business owners and potential voters vote Liberal Democrat on the 5th of May? Well, because we've uh, put a lot of work into our particular small business policy, and we have got uh, a very much a response to concerns that business owners have on business rates, where we will give a, a total allowance for the first 1,500 of rate of value of premises, which will apply to most shops and smaller businesses in this country, and that gives them immediately a reduction in business rate of £624, which is very, very important. We also look at the issue of deregulation, and we've been scratching the DTI many initiatives to do with this, which are very much decided requiring firms to report back on their performance and such like, uh, and are very much very keen on ensuring that bills are not put forward in Parliament uh, which affects small business without a proper and rigorous examination. One of, one of your most, I guess, striking manifesto proposals is the abolition of the Department of Trade and Industry, yes. uh, 
with the, the Chief Secretary to the Treasury taking on the role of uh, being a business advocate in Cabinet. Yes, that's right. Won't this lead to, uh, to an even more fragmented and less focused government support for UK small business? No, I don't think so, because I think actually what's happening now is you're getting uh, an enormous number of schemes and an enormous number of initiatives from uh, the DTI and Victoria Street London. And a lot of their work is in rigorously following up on supporters to ensure they're following regulation, uh, which is important. But far more important is to ensure that businesses in each area have the sort of support they need. And that's why we believe in uh, our party to make the regional support the emphasis through the RDAs and even down to council level, be far better, uh, more emphasis on the local people uh, being able to uh, get what is actually needed locally. And by having a, a national focus on support for business, it actually doesn't necessarily meet the needs of, say, my part of the country, where there may be a tourism focus or agricultural focus, and that's why we want to make it truly local and have a real input by the local businesses as well sounds uh, a positive idea. Would that mean the end of the, the small business service? Yes, indeed. I think the small business service, uh, as its original idea, I supported it, to be very much an advocate for small business at government level. It turned out to be just a, basically a department of the DTI. And that's not the idea. A real strong advocate uh, for small business, which we will have the chief secretary for treasury and real muscle. Okay. Um, obviously, recently we've had the, uh, an announcement post the budget uh, from the, the Hampton Review and also further announcements by the Better Regulation Task Force, about uh, which I think the, the government has broadly accepted in terms of uh, reducing red tape. What would the Lib Dems uh, do differently to, to further reduce red tape than, than what is already proposed in those two reports? Yes, well, a number of points there. Um, first of all, um, we wish to ensure that sunset clauses are applied to new regulations, most new regulations, for instance, meaning the regulation has to drop away in three or four years uh, or be renewed to ensure that something doesn't sit there that's inappropriate. Uh, secondly, very much important that when bills received, there is a proper assessment of the regulation that would affect business. And we, I think, are alone independently uh, assessed by an outside department, not the department of government itself, to ensure that what sort of impact it will have on businesses. We will also very much um, look to having what's on the effect on business of the regulation, and we intend to establish a, a parliamentary committee for small business, not just a parliamentary group, but a select committee to study small business issues. So a number of different areas where we will ensure that uh, really hard cut is done on regulation. Okay, I, I suppose finally for many businesses uh, a huge benefit over recent years has been the fact that the economy has been stable. We've, we seemed, touch wood, to have yep. escaped the, the boom and bust years uh, led by the Conservatives during their term in office. Uh, the Lib Dems obviously haven't had a, a go at running the UK economy for, for a good 80 years. What, why should business trust you to do that successfully now? Well, very much so. You mentioned the Bertie. And in fact, I give credit to the present government for having brought in the Independent Central Bank. Now, that was many, many years beforehand, and the, this present government adopted it. And if that alone doesn't sort of say to people, well, the Liberal Democrats have had to got some very significant economic policies, chief of which was that, to get away from the boom and bust of the uh, Tory government years, uh, which was uh, 
in fact, meaning lack of stability, and businesses say they want stability, they've had it, and that was very much an issue that came from us. We've also got some very uh, clear focus as to how the economy should be run in terms of more transparency about taxation and lots of different issues of that nature, but key of which was stability, and we certainly take credit for that. Yes. Um, you're also a pro-European party. Um, presumably you, you would like, uh, assuming there is a referendum, the UK public to vote in favour of joining Europe economically at least. Would that be right? Well, I mean, we, we, we very much in the forerun, we were the first party to say there should be a, um, a referendum for the single currency. And we very much support the idea of referendum from the Constitution. So at the end of the day, um, the case has to be made be by us or others that there is um, something the government, the people of the country should accept. And we should stand by the verdict of uh, the, the public on that. But in terms of uh, the European Union generally, uh, we are not prepared to be walked all over by the European Union. On the other hand, we take uh, an engaging view with the European Union. We don't sort of detach ourselves. And I go over at least once or twice a year to see people in Brussels and to address issues, uh, amongst which is the regulation coming down from uh, the European Union and the lack of facting as a gateway um, that we should be having to know what's coming down so that we, at an early stage, business can uh, make their views known. Yeah, of course, if we did join uh, Europe and have a, a single currency, the, it wouldn't be the Bank of England controlling interest rates any longer, would it? No, but, I mean, the, uh, the European uh, countries now you know, seem to be managing reasonably well. I mean, I'd say it's quite, quite fair comment to say that the English economy is going very well against some European economies. But uh, I think the, interest, the issue of interest rates is a very complex one, but we are slightly seeing in this country our interest rates going up a little bit, and uh, are not quite currently up to date, but I think uh, we are certainly ahead of one or two of the European nations. So there are issues there, uh, perhaps of discipline to try to keep the interest rates down. But uh, I think that, as I say, we need to have a referendum top of the list on the Euro Festival War, and that in itself will um, concentrate minds and uh, ensure that we uh, deal with things uh, viable for our economy. OK, Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Right, in the second Small Biz Pod interview with small business spokespeople of the major political parties ahead of the UK election on 5th of May, um, I'm pleased to welcome to the show Henry Bellingham, who's Conservative Shadow Minister for Small Business. Uh, Henry, thank you for finding the time to join us today. Pleasure. Now, the Federation of Small Businesses estimates that there are around 5,000 small business owners in each contested seat around the UK. That's right. Um, the Conservatives' smallest majority is, I guess... Uh, uh, 125. A 125, is it? So small business votes could be crucial to success in marginal seats. Um, so, put succinctly, Henry, why should small business owners vote Conservative on the 5th of May? I think many of them will vote Conservative because for a long time when we were in government, I think we lost the plot with the small business community. We, we I think, forgot about the vital role of small businesses, the, the essential role of small businesses in wealth creation, and also the fact that small businesses turn into big businesses. And I think we took our eye off the ball in many ways, in the latter part of the, the major administration. But I think small businesses now realize that they are being over-regulated. We are basically seeing a government that is obsessed with 
big government with far more people in the public sector being employed the whole time with more quangos, more agencies, and the whole tax system is now being tilted more and more against small businesses. And I just feel that most small businesses now are fed up with, as I say, big government over-regulation. And they, they, they certainly can look to the Conservative Party as a party that's learned its lessons from the past and is now very much in tune with what small businesses want. Yes. Um, obviously, the boom and bust years of the, 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 the last few Conservative administrations uh, were quite tough for many small businesses. Trust has become a, a, a big talking point in, in this election campaign. Obviously, many small businesses may feel that they will find it difficult to trust um, a Conservative government, both on, on economic competence um, and also in terms of uh, your credibility uh, when you talk about cutting red tape. Um, both Michael Heseltine and John Major uh, talked uh, quite often about taking a, an axe to red tape, but failed to do anything about it. Well, that was the whole point I made, that the fact that we, we, we didn't uh, deliver, we lost the plot, and, and we suffered as a consequence at the 97 election. We, we lost the support of small businesses, and that's one reason why we lost the election so heavily. But I think we've learned from that lesson, and, and what's happened since then, I think has confirmed our worst fears, and indeed the, the worst fears of many, many small businesses. Yeah, okay. Um, one of the areas that, that Labour has been particularly criticised for has been the number of uh, tax rises, 38 in total, uh, according to your party, um, that have been implemented uh, on businesses. Uh, will the, the Conservative Party cut businesses' taxes if, uh, if they come to power after the 5th of May? We'll do two things. Well, we're going to look at capital gains tax. That's on our target list because capital gains tax is, uh, is one of those taxes that we don't feel is in any way justified. You're paying tax uh, already on the income that you generate. And to pay capital gains tax on, on capital where you make a, a gain, we think it's quite wrong. Now, we haven't given a firm pledge on that because we are very restricted in what we can offer in terms of tax cuts. We only had $4 billion from a very comprehensive review of all aspects of government expenditure. But we, we, we want to look at capital gains tax. We are going to look at IR35. We've said that. Yeah. We also want, want to reverse the situation from the budget two budgets ago when the Chancellor changed the tax status of husbands and wives in limited companies and in respect of distribution of dividends. In fact, there was a, another court case today uh, reported in today's papers, which you might have seen, which in fact makes that situation even worse. We feel that if couples incorporate a business as a limited company, they should enjoy that the standard tax advantages, and it shouldn't be assumed that when a dividend is, is, is drawn by the wife, that that is actually earnings from the husband. Now, the Chancellor encouraged many small businesses to incorporate, and he's now changing the goalposts. So we actually think that is quite wrong. Okay, interesting. Now, um, let's move quickly on to um, Europe, which is uh, a controversial issue, uh, but one that does have a significant impact on That's small right. businesses. That's right. It's vital. Yeah. Um, in your Action for Business document, you say that you'll pursue an opt-out from uh, the job-destroying EU social chapter. That's right. We feel that's absolutely pivotal because uh, unless we actually get in place again an opt-out from the social chapter, we're going to basically go into battle in terms of cutting red tape, in terms of reversing, redressing the balance uh, more in favour of businesses with one hand tied behind our backs because so many of the regulations are coming out of Europe. If we got the opt-out back in place, we could actually say, look, 
this particular directive might suit business. This particular regulation is something we can live with and may even be positive for small businesses. But those particular regulations, for example, the, work, uh, the, 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 the agency workers directive, some of the other social and employment measures that are coming out of Brussels at the moment are not suitable and will destroy jobs and, and therefore we will not actually implement them in this country because we have an opt-out from the social chapter. So that's why it is absolutely pivotal to our policy and strategy to get that opt-out back in place. What evidence do you have that they are actually job-destroying regulations? I think you have to be a rocket scientist to work out that if we implement the agency workers' directive, the atypical workers' directive, there will be a huge hemorrhaging of jobs in this country. In fact, I've spoken to a number of businesses in the uh, IT sector, in aerospace, for example, in the food processing sector, where you've got companies that, that regularly use a lot of agency workers. Many of those companies will, in fact, move their operations abroad. In fact, there's one IT company I spoke to who told me very clearly that if this particular directive comes in, because they're a company that use a lot of agency atypical workers, it suits the company, it suits the agency workers who have a portfolio approach to their business. What that company will do is simply move that department abroad to maybe the Far East or the uh, Asian subcontinent. So it, it is an issue. There's every evidence that jobs are going to be destroyed. And I think there's evidence also that some of the directors that have come in already uh, have destroyed jobs. Okay. Now, um, the Conservative Party is the only major party uh, of, the, of the big three who actually uh, will not will, will, will not encourage um, people to vote for the euro should there be a, a referendum. That's right. Um, which is obviously a, a mark of differentiation for your party compared to the Liberal Democrats and Labour. That's, that's absolutely right. Um, what are the advantages to small business of not joining the euro? I don't believe that a case has yet been made for going into the euro. If we had a, 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 an exchange rate that was wildly unstable, if we in fact could point to, to, to real problems as a result of, of having a differential exchange rate to uh, the euro, and if businesses uh, that wanted to do business in Europe were suffering as a consequence, then I would say there was a stronger argument for saying, look, on economic grounds, we, we should join the euro. The problem I have with the euro is very simple. If we go into the euro, we give up all our sovereignty over monetary, and, and some fiscal uh, policies as well. We basically give up sovereignty in many other areas. We're going to be putting far more power into the heart of Brussels. And I've already said that one of the concerns we have is the whole social model that is coming out of Europe, which places much more emphasis on social and employment legislation. Now, if we give more power to Brussels, if we give up sovereignty, if we entrench more power at the center in Europe, then I believe that the meddling power of Europe would increase. That would be the price of going into the euro. That might be a price one day worth paying if we had serious instability, financial and uh, exchange rate instability, and by going into the euro, we could actually lock in some form of stability. Now, that isn't the case at the moment, and I think that the, the, the price one would have to pay in terms of loss of sovereignty would be huge. And I feel that small businesses in particular, because most small businesses are very patriotic people, they're very practical people, they take a long-term view. They're committed to the UK uh, as a country for wealth creation and business. They're not footloose like the large multinationals who, as a rule, are quite pro-Euro because they can move from one European country to another and they take the view that, that having one currency 
does suit them. Now, it's not the, 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 the same with most small businesses. Fine. So, um, Henry, how does the Conservative Party plan to uh, open up a dialogue with small business owners if they're elected after uh, this election? But there are two key points. Uh, first of all, if we win the election, I want to work really closely with all the small business groups. I want to work closely with individual small businesses. I've learned a huge amount since I became Shadow Small Business Minister by going around the country and talking to real people, not civil servants, not bureaucrats, but actual wealth creators on the ground. If we don't win the election, if we end up either in a hung parliament or maybe uh, as a larger opposition, I still want to carry on that dialogue. And I would urge people to let me have their comments and, and, and send me an email at, at henrybellingham at tiscally.co.uk or after May the 5th, uh, henrybellingham at parliament.uk. Okay, Henry Bellingham, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, in the final Small Biz Pod interview with small business spokespeople of the major political parties ahead of the UK election on the 5th of May, uh, I'm pleased to welcome to the show Nigel Griffiths, who is Minister for Small Business and Enterprise. Nigel, thank you for being with us this morning. It's a pleasure. Um, the Federation of Small Businesses estimates that there are around 5,000 small business owners in each contested seat around the UK. Um, I know that Labour's smallest majority is something like 187, so small business votes could be crucial to success in marginal seats around the country. Um, put succinctly, uh, why should small business owners vote Labour on the 5th of May? Because what most small businesses need is a stable economy, low interest rates and a lot of customers and the lowest interest rates for 30 years and lowest mortgage rates for 40 years and 2 million more people in work so that unemployment is, is lower, uh, then it fulfills all their conditions. They, they need people who are confident about spending uh, so that they can service their needs or manufacture to their requirements. And at the same time, by cutting uh, the, the rates of tax, both the top rates of tax and the basic rate of income tax, uh, as well as corporation tax, uh, we've set up one of the only environments that is to be found in any country. Yes, I mean, clearly one of the, one of the successes, I guess, of the last seven years for, uh, for the Labour government has been um, securing a stable economy, uh, which is obviously good news for, for businesses of all sizes, but particularly smaller businesses. Um, and indeed, there are more small businesses and more SMEs now in the, the UK, something close to 4 million, uh, which I guess is more than, than they've been in recent memory. But um, new red tape, uh, according to the British Chambers of Commerce, has cost small business during the uh, Labour government £37 billion. Pounds. Uh, I noticed yesterday Gordon Brown spoke at the BCC conference and um, admitted that perhaps uh, a Labour government should have uh, uh, taken red tape to task more quickly. Why has it taken you so long to address this burden on business? I think the honest reason for that is we were as for businesses have been about promises by politicians. Uh, Michael Hesseltine promised us to take an action, yet very little happened. John Major promised a bonfire of red tape, uh, and yet in the Conservative years, 51,692 regulations were passed. And uh, there was a reluctance to get into a, a bidding war on this, and instead, uh, Patricia Hewitt and Gordon Brown quietly set about tackling 
some of the regulations that uh, that small businesses have suffered from. For instance, raising the VAT uh, threshold has helped small businesses, as has allowing for small businesses to opt for a flat rate VAT. Uh, and that obviates the need on a Sunday over the the lunch table to go through every VAT receipt and up to 700,000 small businesses are able to take advantage of that. So we've done specific areas where we know there's been form filling and tried to tackle them. Uh, it's praise for simplifying the inland revenue forms and especially when they're done online and of course Gordon Brown gave 100% for three years to allow small businesses to buy the computers and go online but you know, none of us are in any doubt. There's a long way to go and that's why through the Oculus report, uh, uh, we're uh, looking at sunset clauses, uh, at one regulation out as one comes in. And with a Philip Hampton review, we're ensuring that the number of regulatory bodies is cut down very much from the over 30 at the moment to less than 10. And the number of inspections is cut as well, and the number of inspectors, so that all our efforts are targeted not on the good businesses, who will get fewer inspections, but on the businesses that are not uh, coming up to inspection standards so that they can be helped to come up, and the ones that are persistent offenders, the tiny minority, well, they have to be dealt with. So can we expect uh, sunset clauses to be introduced if Labour uh, come to power for a third term? We're certainly working with David Arkelis and the better regulation group that he chairs to target legislation and I I believe we will have pilots of sunset clauses. Um, sunset clauses were never used during the 18 conservative years for a very good reason. They are not as simple as people imagine and we've looked abroad at where they've succeeded and more often where they've failed. But David Arkelis believes that he can come up with good pilot models for sunset clauses and we'll be very keen to implement those. Okay, fine. Um, Labour is a, a pro-European party, and um, if there is a referendum on the euro uh, in your next term, if you are elected, uh, presumably the, the Labour Party would be in, encouraging a yes vote. If the circumstances are right, the economic tests are met, and we go to a referendum, yes, the government, a Labour government, will be encouraging people to vote yes. Now, from a, a small business point of view, obviously one of the, the great successes in terms of stability has been allowing the Bank of England to control interest rates. If we entered the euro, we'd be subject to um, control of interest rates from the European Central Bank. Couldn't this have a, a potential uh, destabilizing effect on the UK economy um, and, and potentially cause problems for the business, small business community? Well, interest rates uh, abroad are still uh, lower than our interest rates, and uh, so I I'm not sure that that is a realistic fear. We are keen to ensure that we have stable and low interest rates, and that's something that uh, every previous uh, Chancellor has really failed to, 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 to achieve. And that's one of the reasons why we gave independence to the Governor of the Bank of England, with no support from the other political parties in order to take it out of the political influence. But uh, our criticisms of the economies and the running of economies abroad it has not to do with interest rates, so small businesses should not have fears on that score. Okay, thank you. Um, now, a number of the, well, the Liberal Democrats in particular are calling for the abolition of the DTI. Now, I know that 
uh, Labour announced some while ago to to cut uh, the civil service uh, and, and bureaucracy with the intention in part I guess of helping um, small businesses. Um, do you see a future for the DTI and the small business service? Uh, yes I do and the, the small business service has been widely praised for uh, the review it undertook so that it made sure that, that its staffing requirements matched its needs and uh, it, it has uh, made uh, substantial changes and reductions in staff in certain areas to allow it to concentrate and focus on the real requirements of small businesses and ensure that the regional development agencies are delivering uh, those advice and key mentoring services at a local level. So the DTI has got a, a very good future. The last thing we want to do when we are taking representations from the British Chamber of Commerce, the CBI and others about things like employment uh, regulations is hand that all over to a department that, whose job is seen to be more on the side of workers than on the side of business. It's the DTI's job to ensure that the concerns of business are realistically communicated and absorbed within Whitehall. Okay, now um, a Conservative Party criticism Mike, of the Labour policy in relation to businesses focused uh, on tax. Uh, they claim that 38 tax rises for business have been introduced in the last seven years. Um, and I, I know as a fact that national insurance increases have had an impact on, on small businesses. Um, couldn't Labour, the Labour Party be accused of, of giving with one hand and taking away with another in terms of its support for small business? No, let me respond to the, the national insurance uh, criticism head on. Digby Jones from the CBI estimated that more than £10 billion is lost every year because of sickness and absence by employees. And indeed, we hear of the steps that have been taken by the Royal Mail to tackle that. Uh, the, it is important that we get employees back into the workforce, the ones who are sick, as quickly as possible. The National Health Service needed that cash injection to ensure that there are the doctors and nurses to treat people, and it's only fair that since the individual benefits from that quicker treatment, they pay a bit more in national insurance, and that business who benefits by getting their employees back in so that productivity remains high, that they benefit too. But in terms of uh, other taxation issues, we're the party that actually cut the headline rates of tax and the basic rates of tax. And the net result of that, including the national insurance change that went through, is that last year a record number of people started in business. So people uh, have got the confidence to start in business. Around about a thousand businesses are starting every working day. That is uh, an historic uh, record high. So that's why I dismiss the criticisms of the other political parties. Our record of having people start businesses is the envy of Europe, and certainly the previous governments couldn't hold a candle to that record. Which sort of nicely brings me on to uh, the enterprise culture. Gordon Brown um, has, is, is frequently quoted as talking about creating a US-style enterprise culture in the UK. Uh, and clearly some steps have been made to uh, encourage enterprise. There's all sorts of indications which suggest that, that not just in, in, in terms of the, the, the official statistics, but all sorts of indications that suggest that people are uh, more inclined to start running a business now. Um, how would you characterise the, the enterprise culture that you'd like to see in the UK if uh, Labour win a third term? 
we're the fourth largest economy in the world, but you know we rank very low in world population terms. So that means that if we want to continue to enjoy the high standard of living that being the fourth largest economy gives us, if we want to spread that throughout our communities, then we can't afford to neglect the talents of any entrepreneur, uh, urban or rural, in any part of the country. And that's why our drive is, first of all, to promote enterprise uh, at an early age uh, through schools and through Enterprise Week, which we had last year and we're having again this year, through encouraging uh, people to see enterprise uh, as a career. We changed the law to make sure that people who go bankrupt honestly can start up their firms again. I hardly meet any of our great entrepreneurs, our household names, who haven't had one company or another that just hasn't succeeded, but that hasn't stopped them. So it's getting out this, this message that it is cool to get into enterprise for young people and throughout, and I think the Chancellor has been a great champion of that. Okay, Nigel Griffiths, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for your intelligent questions. So there we have it, the full set of political interviews uh, this week. Uh, thank you to all of the three politicians that uh, decided uh, bravely to come on the show. Um, ne none of them, I think, have appeared on a podcast before, so uh, thanks to all of them. Uh, I hope it's given you all a, a little insight into some of the key policies that each is espousing. And uh, I leave it to you to decide how you're going to vote on Thursday. Now, as you'll notice again this week, uh, I've not had time to include any news uh, in order to keep the show at below 40 minutes. But uh, it will be, I promise, making a reappearance uh, in due course. Uh, I stumbled across a, a site that I rediscovered called www.electromancer.com, which is a fantastic site for Podsafe electronic music. It's a site for unsigned electronica. And uh, the track that I have for you this week is by a guy called Chris Rusu, and the song is Not Afraid to Love. Thank you. 